You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. No, I have to say, Roger, every time it is your turn to select a movie, you always impress and surprise me because you've gone for a movie released in, in 1989 in the US and 1990 in the rest of the world that has literally done the transition from the 80s to the 90s in terms of redefining what we mean by action hero and introduce, of course, the femme fatale genre. We are talking about Sea of Love, directed by Harold Becker, and let's watch the trailer together. I heard from one of you guys you caught a good one. Face down taxpayer back of the head in his own bed. Your guy put an ad in the singles magazine, right? There's some psycho woman out there killing guys. Wanna know how we catch her? We put our own ad in. We set up dates with 30, 40, 50 of the ladies who answer. We take them out, some restaurant, some bar, get their prints on a wine glass. Bingo, she's dropped. I don't believe in wasting time on this kind of stuff. You know what you know and you go with it. You go with what? I believe in animal attraction. I believe in love at first sight. I believe in this. No offense, but you never did get her prints, did you? She's not the shooter. I have done some desperate, foolish things. You mean like being here with me? Um, You're a good man. I always know. What are you nuts? You just met her. What are you looking for? She's a friggin' suspect, Frank. Just walk away. This is getting out of hand. What are you looking for? Oh, Pacino. Pacino is just absolutely superb, isn't he? He's one of my favorite actors. Can I just say that I miss The Voice from mm. those 90s and 80s trailer. The Voice needs to come. <laughs> come back uh, because it was just part of the experience you know i mean we, we're going to talk about the movie in a moment but i just want to spend a moment on that trailer where talk about intrigue talk about anticipation but you have to have the voice yeah although it's funny isn't it because a few weeks ago we talked about empire strikes back and and i thought that um harrison ford's voiceover for the trailer of empire strikes back was way over the top but i think in this instance it actually works better and it adds to the you know the the um, excitement of the trailer and, and genuinely makes you want to go and see the film when you mentioned uh, that you selected Sea of Love and you'd begin the, the research exercise, I was literally projected back in time <laughs> to France when we went to sit because um, Al Pacino was then and still is a huge, huge name. I mean, if if there was an, what would be coined in Al Pacino's movies, you, you went to it. But my memory was too, it was twofold. The memory of the incredible relationship and chemistry between Al Pacino and John Goodman was just something that stayed with me. And the music, as well as the 
I suppose the, the the landscape that is the cityscape that is New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a remarkable film from from the point of view, as you say, the the chemistry between the characters is incredible. As you say, Pacino and Goodman, it, it's it's almost as if they've been working together for decades. The kept the chemistry between them, the way they bounce off each other, the way that they, they their lines fit in, and the the humor that they bring out of each other, and of course the the, the relationship between Al Pacino and Ellen Barkin in the film, uh, the lovers in the film eventually is is remarkable too. But I think what I would add to what you said there about the music as well is that New York itself, the setting, New York itself, the city is a character in this film. A lot of it's set at night. A lot of the film sort of reflects upon loneliness, you know, the loneliness of the alcoholic cop, the loneliness of the single person. And when they're wandering the streets of a dark film noir New York with that sort of throbbing jazz music playing Mm. in the background, a bit of saxophone here, you know, it's so, so vibrant and so melancholy and it really does make the city to me part of the character it, the city becomes one of the actors if if that doesn't sound too bizarre not at all and, and in fact i am absolutely convinced that this was intentional because mm. the director howard baker is from new york and I'm absolutely convinced that he has spent time and time, you know, again, walking down the streets, looking at the architecture. And I remember one of my kind of early filmmaking um, classes I went to, people saying, if you can't make a movie look great whilst in New York, you cannot be a filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, I think this, because, you know, the lines and, and the way in which, you know, the, the streets are being literally kind of, uh, you know, sandwiched you know, by the tall buildings and, and the windows of reflection. And, and of course, the nighttime with um, the reflections on, on the wet pavement, it, it's, it's all there. Uh, and, and I think that to me is sometimes what's lacking in movies where they don't actually use uh, the, sur- the surroundings as part of the ex- visual experience. Yeah, and I think we should probably say that uh, people might be getting the impression that this is uh, uh, what what sort of film this is. This is a pr- police procedural film, mm-hmm. but it's a police procedural film with a twist. It's all about a, a series of murders. Uh, Al Pacino is the lead cop who's trying to find the murderer, and without giving the plot too much of the plot away, he ends up having a very erotic, not pornographic, but a very erotic relationship with one of the suspects, played by Ellen Barr. Um, who is, is a very, very, very striking sort of '80s femme fatale, isn't she? She's got mm. the she's got the '80s hair, she's got the '80s shoulder pads, um, the way she dresses. You know, it, it's it's a remarkable image. Um, and there's a ma- there is a massive, massive twist at the end, as you would expect. But the relationship again between Ellen Barkin and Al Pacino. I mean, let, let's face it, Al Pacino isn't your typical sort of superhero cop is he he's just a a nondescript guy wearing a scruffy suit um you know he's not particularly muscly he's not particularly chiseled he's just an ordinary guy and yet the the sort of chemistry between these two you can genuinely believe that they're having this incredibly passionate affair with each other and it really sucks you in the acting was superb 
Oh, indeed. And, you know, in terms of um, the threat through, you know, what we understand and what is interesting by the character of Al Pacino, you're right, is flawed. He makes mistakes, actually gets it wrong, you could argue, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, all the way till very end with, with a major twist and so on. Uh, he's taking risk, he's not listening to the sound of the device and so on. And it's all to do with um, him and his colleagues, you know, from the NYPD, who are trying to track down this serial killer who's using the Lonely Hearts kind of uh, page in uh, the local newspaper to attract, track down, and obviously um, kill um, individuals. And what you have, therefore, is this idea of there's an inquiry, there's, there's um, you know, people are trying to find a murderer, but everything is suggesting that this is not going to end well at all. Yeah, and it's... It's, it's interesting as well, when you watch that trailer, um, I mean, I've seen this film so many times now, Pascal, it's one of my favourite films of all time, I, I watch it at least once a year, I originally went to see it at the cinema with my mother, um, I think I was still at university, and we, uh -huh. just went, we just went to the cinema together to see it, and when you watch the trailer, there's actually quite a few scenes in the trailer that aren't in the film, which I actually quite f found quite surprising. Right at the start of the trailer, there's a bit where Al Pacino is shouting down a bloke in a white suit, getting him to, to drop his gun. And that is actually from a deleted scene, believe it or not. Now, when they showed this film on television, they actually put those deleted scenes back in. And there's also a scene um, involving um, Pacino's ex-wife in the film, which also reappears in the TV version. But they obviously decided to edit that out of the um, cinematic version, perhaps just to tighten the film up and, and to make the pacing a bit better. But I do find it's quite interesting. There's quite a few trailers that we've seen as we've been doing these reviews, Pascal, which include deleted scenes within the trailer i always find that quite interesting yeah it's all about the timing and the sequence mm. of events the trailer is cut before the movie sometimes is even yeah. finished yeah with a view of getting um you know pre-sales and distributors rights and that kind of things so i mean once you've given me the, uh, you know the segue into marketing on reflection uh, this will have been i think a difficult movie to market and they, they went ahead which we're going to, you know, whether we're going to describe in a moment, but you know, let me take you back to the 1989, the 1990, depending where you are in the world. But this movie was up against Black Rain, another wonderful movie using Cityscape. Uh, Johnny Handsome, um, Kickboxer with Van Damme, Eric the Viking, Still Magnolias, Best of the Best, Family Business, Driving Miss Daisy, and so it goes on. So you, you have competition for someone's times and and wallet. It's also a movie that was released many years um, after a perceived failure on the part of Al Pacino and producers. I'm talking about the movie um, Revolution, which so mm. shows what a hard business movie making is because this is a man that gave us, you know, Godfather, Serpico. He gave us um, Dog Day Afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. Scarface and so on, and there's a minor blip, you know, in, on, on this CV revolution, and the poor guy is literally out of, out of work for four years until he's given the gig for a sea of love. Yeah, and it's fascinating the the fact that he was almost washed up wasn't he he was he'd done a bit of stage work in the theaters in in new york but i think he thought that his career was over until this script arrived but if you actually look at the marketing of this um the posters in particular the posters in particular even though he'd been out of the scene for four and four odd years 
you can tell that they were playing upon his gravitas mm. because the posters, both the international US version and the um, UK version, at the top, it just says Pacino. Not Al Pacino, just Pacino. And, and that shows you the strength of him as a personal brand, despite the fact that he'd been absent from films for four and a half years, he was still a strong enough draw to effectively make the marketing about him. Well, it's interesting you mentioned a moment ago about deleted scenes and you could argue almost the confusion between the cinema version, a TV version, then the extras on the DVDs and the Blu-rays and so on. Uh, by the way, on that very point, I think the scene with his ex-wife, it's a real shame they was taken out because it's a scene that is maybe what, a couple of minutes long, no more, where the poor guy is literally kind of breaking heart out saying you know i've got nothing mm. you know literally mm. all i've got is, is this job and i'm not even sure that i'm doing it well but i've got nothing mm. uh, you know i live in a, in a crappy flat i don't i don't see you i don't see the kids i don't have a career to speak of it's really quite interesting and in the same and i'm using the term confusion perhaps in a very harsh way but if you think about even the the posters and the artwork there seems to be a version for for the us and a version for the uk international because uh, back at the times where Sea of Love was uh, available for rental, I was working, a member in a video store. And the, the, the memory that I had was something very, very red. And the picture of Al Pacino and Dylan Barkin in almost a kind of uh, through a lens, slightly distorted. Mm, but I've mm. never seen the US poster um, before. It's just fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I recognize the uh, the UK poster more, but I do like the US poster better uh, because it, it's got Al Pacino f as the cop with his gun pulled, but then he's framed in the background by a sort of faded image of him and Ellen Barking just about to get into that amazing sort of one of the best kisses in history, I think somebody uh, <laughs> described it as. Uh, and again, you know, we're talking about 30-odd years ago now, and posters were so, so important. And the strap line, in search of a killer, he found someone who was either the love of his life or the end of it, you know incredible stuff and what i also liked about this particular um uh marketing campaign was lobby cards mm. tell me about lobby cards oh these were the days these was the corridor of dreams you yes. actually walk towards whichever room you know you were going to the screening room you were going to because you were either you know being enticed and and encouraged to plan your next visit or you were given a little glimpse into the movie as you're, you know, kind of making slow progress. Um, nowadays, I think they don't do that. They just have posters coming soon. But those lobby cards, I mean, uh, here's, you know, kind of what I do. When I go into um, any kind of, uh, you know, flea markets or vidgonia, as they call them in France, I look for people selling lobby cards. I, I collect them. And recently, I found two lobby cards for uh, True Romance, which I was very, very <laughs> pleased about. But this is what we did back then. You know, we kept the the printed materials. We, if you were good enough to, or you, you know, the cinema manager, you would literally find a way to get the posters given to you once the movie has given out. But the lobby cards are our selection of stills to essentially complement, you know, what the trailer's done, what the poster has done, what you know the the tagline you you just read out um, is doing, and. Every single one of them that we're able to find has, of course, Al Pacino 
in it yes. as a still and of course his name appearing in big you know a typeface i don't know which font it is but uh, it's very very big yeah absolutely and, and and picking up on something that you said as well is this whole fact that sea of love effectively redefined the role of the macho man and the femme fatale and there was a whole series of movies that came out during the 1990s that you can actually track trace back to sea of love now a lot of people probably haven't seen sea of love it's not one of the most uh, famous films ever i think people like you and i who've who know it and have seen it and remember seeing it at the cinema it will always be one of the best films ever but if you haven't seen it it's probably one that you've never heard of which is a bit bizarre but basic instinct you know that film with sharon stone and michael douglas very similar sort of feel you know it's a, a mm. cop going up against a very sexually liberated woman that you can trace that right back to sea of love you know sharon stone's character is not dissimilar to the way ellen barkin played the role in sea of love and you've also got final analysis sliver the last seduction wow. yes all yes. of those films that came out in the 1990s have a macho man whether it's a cop or or a detective or whatever and that very sexually liberated woman who is the femme fatale and and you can trace it all the way back to uh, sea of love but also i guess you've got that as we said before that fact that they're redefining the macho man so pacino isn't your sort of chiseled superhero like arnold schwarzenegger he sort of paved the way didn't he for people like keanu reeves and the the sort of the normal guy as opposed to the the guy built like a a brick privy. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And we know who you're talking about here. Uh, I think it's fascinating because you're absolutely right. People will often, you know, say, oh, it all began with basic, basic instinct, this idea of the fan fatale. But um, that's why it was so important to talk about Sea of Love and because to, you know, I can reminisce about it. What I will say is if I could quickly take you to talking about the music mm. and the song Sea of Love, mm. of course, because it is about what it's about. What is interesting is the French title um, of Sea of Love is Melody for a Murder. Ah. And I think, you know, if you look at the words, it actually, I think, um, pays more homage to to the music and to that song that maybe the movie because if you don't know the, the track at all it could be forgiven to think actually you know going back to the uk international poster it could you could be forgiven to think it's a romantic story yeah of love a red poster a couple hugging each other it, it doesn't really sell the, the danger the threat and so on and so forth and and i wonder whether um, again with hindsight which is a wonderful thing you know these were di different times altogether the marketing campaign could have lent more on the track itself the music yeah i think you're right I, I hadn't realized that about the french title but actually the french title makes more sense doesn't it than than the, the uk title i mean it's interesting also, i went to see this film with my mother and um, you know, talking about back in 1990 so when i went to see the film i hadn't heard the track sea of love you know uh do you remember when we met <laughs> Da, da 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 you'll be my pet whatever it was and 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 um uh um they do a fabulous uh, scene in the film where pacino and goodman effectively sing that song out of tune and again that 
bit the charisma charisma between the two of them there is great now the original was sung by phil phillips and the twilights but there's also a version at the end of the film which was a more market a more jazzy version by by tom waits but when i went to see this film in 1990 i'd never heard of the song so again you know it's obviously it was back in the 60s and people who were watching this film in the 90s who were middle-aged might have remembered recognized the song i didn't because i was still quite young at the time so people watching the film today probably have even less uh, chance of recognizing that song so i'm actually buying into what you're saying and wondering whether actually in hindsight they should have called this film what was it the melody of mu the the uh, murder of melody murder or something? for melody yeah murder, murder for, for melody, melody. Yeah, yeah that's really really interesting the, I mean, for me, that as I'm looking and reflecting on what I'm going to call the marketing pack, you know, you you, you have the posters, and because yeah. of the elongated distribution uh, timescale, you know, from 1890, I can see why they would change the artwork and design. But I'm going to go with you. Which I, I think the original US one better yes. to actually convey the feeling of the thriller, the the neo noir kind of atmosphere capturing. A think they didn't use New York sufficiently in the marketing effort. Yes. They didn't use the um you know the the music and the track Sea of Love sufficiently. But what they did very well, I I believe, is the trailer. If you've seen the trailer or the 30 second TV spots as they often did, you would definitely would want to go and see um the movie. And I think for 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 the filmmakers to almost ignore the fact that there was a, a blip in Pacino's career with Revolution and say it's still you know going to be the guy uh, to get you know bombs and seats and to essentially you know make this movie a, a, a commercial success to the point where a bit later when it was released more internationally, they even went ahead and produced a 14-minute documentary, which is actually very, very interesting. And in, in, in a funny kind of way, the documentary does more to showcase New York and, and, and the song itself. Yeah, and, and I think we also need just to mention Pacino as an actor. Now, you, you'll correct me um, if I'm wrong here because you know more about filmmaking than I do, but Pacino, I believe, is what is termed a method actor, which means that he immerses himself into the role to such an extent that it, he will stay in character even on set between takes. So if the cameras aren't rolling and somebody goes up to Pacino and talks to him, he will be Frank Keller at that moment in time. He won't revert to Al Pacino. He will be Frank Keller all the time. And that documentary, again, says he became so immersed in the character that he just reacted to anything as that character would. Now, in the final scene of the film, him and Ellen Barking are walking down the street in New York. Now, they did fill the street with some extras who knew what was going on but as you as you would expect um, new york is a massively massively busy city so there's quite a lot of just normal people walking down the street as well and there's a moment where al pacino bumps into a member of the public and the member of the public bumps him to him so hard that he basically goes he falls back away from ellen barking but his recovery is incredible he just basically shifts back and carries on talking as if the line was just so natural now normally they would have retaken that scene and made sure they got it right without him bumping into the the local but he recovered from it so well that it made it look so natural that they actually left i, I guess the duff take in because it was so good that 
it made it look even better than had it not been there. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I, I've just realized, so we're talking about Sea of Love, the, the movie that made that transition from the 80s to the 90s from the action hero style and the femme fatale. But, of course, by accepting this role after a four-year gap, a few years later, Scent of a Woman yeah, and the Oscars. Yeah, and and I guess just to finish that bit off, you know, the fact that he immerses himself so much in the in the role to me is the ultimate example of what I've always said from a marketing point of view. Marketing is about having a deep, almost obsessive understanding of your customer. Pacino had a deep, almost obsessive relationship with his character to the extent that he became that character. And that is how he managed to put in such an incredible performance. Roger Edwards, thank you so much for your fine selection once again for film marketing. Seal of Love, 1989 or 1990, depending on which territory you, you were into. Um, a movie that if you've not seen it or it's been a while, we can highly recommend you go back and, and look at it. And then you can come back and, of course, listen to the, the marketing elements again in, in the context of the film. And I think we've done a very good job to not give anything away as well. So you can watch it. No spoilers uh, on this occasion. Absolutely right. Still one of my favorite movies. Absolutely superb. Everyone, this was episode number 82. Thank you so much for your support. And Roger, thank you so much for being a wonderful co-host. As always, please leave comments and suggestions in usual places. To the next one, go out there and make sure your marketing is on right. I was Pascal Pintoni and he was Roger Edwards. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates. 